The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Marcus, let me know when when we're ready to start the show. We're ready to start the show. Marcus said that we're not allowed to piss around. Dog meat said (laughs) Uh that we are not allowed to... Piss around today. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I am Ben Kissel, as always, staring right at Marcus Parks. Hey, dog meat. A.K.A. dog meat. For new listeners to the show, he just became dog meat last week, so it's going to take me a second. Dog meat. But you know, the thing is, is that he just became dog meat officially on this podcast last week, but guess when he, guess when he's been officially dog meat since the day he was fucking born. Yeah. All right, all right. And you, of course, you're Henry Zabrowski, or do I have to call you too real? You could call me too real if you wanted to be correct. <laughs> you long bitch. All right. All right. So this is a very important episode. Very special episode. If we were the cast of Saved by the Bell, we'd talk to you afterwards all in Mrs. Bliss's classroom together and let you know how serious this episode will be. We're discussing 9-11. Now, you guys remember, this is the important episode, kind of like, you know how in the gym they would separate the girls and the boys? Mm-hmm. And the boys, they would tell them, like, I remember my class, they, they separated the boys and they told all of us, they're like, here's the key to owning everything. That was right. the first thing that they said. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, just so you know, you're on top, you're always going to be on top, don't worry about being toppled. We all high-fived each other, mm-hmm. and then we all showed each other how we could pee standing up. Is that what you guys did? I was always sent to the Yeti room, and I was just there alone, and they would say, turn the lights back, on and off, on and off, on and off. Oh, you, you, you. Yes, you are young yetis. The one thing you must know is, number one, always be hidden. Mm-hmm. Never be seen. Never be seen. Do not take a picture even once because I don't even know why. Doesn't and matter. fish are in rivers. I love a good river full of fish. Um, no, today we're doing a very serious episode. Yes. These are the, these are, these <laughs> I mean, are the facts as uh, the mainstream knows them. Yeah, That's this what is going to be going through. So for all the people who want to discuss the conspiracy theories, we'll be getting to that. Yeah, this is uh, the event itself. That's do, this do we even episode. say the terms? We, we are covering September 11th, 2001, the events of that day. Right. Um, what we're going to discover, uh, one thing I will say about conspiracy thought is that you know uh, that it's a conspiracy video when they call it September 11th, 2001, and not 9-11. It's very specific oh. to the way they, they set it up, because they yeah. want you to know that it was just a day, it was a day in time. 9-11 is the brand. Yeah, and I really do believe mm-hmm. that. I think I, I think today we are going to be covering the hard facts about just the day yeah. uh, and the, and the hijackers that committed this deed. This is a very upsetting topic, of course. The one thing I, I, we wanted to talk about at the very beginning: if, if you really want to do this episode right, and you are home, 
and you've got nothing to do, and you really want to just ruin your fucking day, watch 102 Minutes That Changed America. Mm-hmm. It was a History Channel documentary, and it is all found footage from that day, people who recorded the events. Right. If uh, you think Cloverfield is a horrific found footage movie, you're going to be amazed at 102, uh, minute, 102 Minutes That Changed America. I it's definitely, the most horrific found footage film of all time. I watched it with my heart in my throat. Uh, Marks and I both have cried a number of times. Oh my God! Are we bring up the tears? Come on! I'm just uh, saying this. We're being vulnerable. I want to break a little bit of the. I know you guys look at me as a strong warrior, yes. a proud man. I've heard that. Um, impenetrable, cold, but also important in his stance, like Atticus Finch. Hmm. Um, but this is a very vulnerable episode for me. Uh, it, you guys. What happened? 9/11. The brand that is known as 9/11 is becoming conspiracy hub. Uh, that is our generation's JFK assassination. Mm. They did the same with the JFK assassination. Every single school of conspiracy thought dumped something on it to, to get involved in it. 9-11 is no different. It's the hub of a lot of very esoteric thought that covers this, what we've talked about all the time, right? Where What attracts a lot of conspiracy thought. Something that the government wants to attract a lot of conspiracy thought because deeply within it there is something very fishy. Uh, and they like that fringe thought to kind of cloud Everything right. that happened on the day. And today we're covering what the day was. September 11, 2001, a beautiful temperate day in New York City right. that was fucking destroyed. And uh, the, the reality of it is mind-numbing and heartbreaking. And I just want to say really quick, at no point are we going to make fun of the victims of 9-11 or of any terrorist attacks whatsoever. We would never do that on purpose. Uh, you know, our hearts uh, go out to them and our sympathies are always with them I think and their if, families. That's a really important point to make. Th- this episode is about the fact that this is real. I forget that it's But we real. will be making yeah. fun of some dickhead terrorists. Absolutely. That's for sure. <laughs> that some, is for yeah. sure. And some loopy summer school like antics in a, in a fucking <laughs> Tallahassee or North Carolina flight school. Right, right, um, right, right. But they, it, it, it's really true. This was an event 3,000 people died uh truly it, it, innocent people it, janitors of the world i mean just un- as innocent as innocent can be if you look at the world yes there have been horrific events all over the world this is just one yeah um the difference between this event and many other events is how much it was covered by the p- publicity and people on the street filming it yeah. this was like what we talked about with columbine we already said before how columbine was the micro event that changed america and that 9-11 is the macro event this is the thing that was just from minute one to minute 99 i'm not sure 102 minutes You're right. to minute 102. whole documentary yeah. about yeah. it we just talked yes. about it. Yep. it's in the title it's in the right. title yep. Yep. that's how you know too it's also convenient because you know how long it is if you're doing laundry i'm not saying i was doing that necessarily <laughs> right so um, you're just using this horrific documentary as a timer it's for a good your dirty time. whites it's oh. You need, okay. If you need That's to, nice and sensitive, Henry. If you're like, if you're trying right. to measure out 102 minutes of time, just watch all of the footage of 9/11. Right. Um, just keep yeah. it on the background. Don't it's watch. A, just it remember, it's from the time of the uh, first plane hitting and the second tower falling. That's the 102 minutes. All right, Marcus, jump us in. All right, so uh, we're gonna start with the 1993 terrorist attacks. What a lot of people don't know is that there, this was the second attack on the World Trade Center. A lot of our younger listeners, of course, don't know about the 1993 attack, which was. Up till September 11th, the only foreign terrorist attack on the nation by terrorists. I mean, World War II, Pearl Harbor, that mm-hmm. was a militaristic attack. Also a constructed event in order to get us into World War II. Yes. Maybe not unlike something that happened on September 11th, 2001. Conspiracy theories yeah, we'll are the episode next episode. episode. The conspiracy two. theories are the next episode. We're not going to do that. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. All right. So that first attack was in 1993 and was perpetrated by the same people that supposedly did the second attack 
Al-Qaeda, the terrorist group that was founded by Osama bin Laden. And Osama bin Laden is the boogeyman. Uh, Osama bin Laden has been America's boogeyman for, what, 15, how long did it take? 12 years? We got him! We got him! We won! Uh, Of course, but uh, the U.S. funded Al-Qaeda for many, many years as they fought the Russians over in Afghanistan. It's a very interesting relationship that he's had with the U.S. And uh, and the U.S. basically armed uh, the Taliban, a.k.a. Al-Qaeda, and... uh, so Osama bin Laden wasn't always public enemy number one. As a matter of fact, the Bush family is very, very close with his family. Mm-hmm. And, of course, these I, ties are uh, go back for generations. And absolutely. And as everybody knows, from the years 2001 to 2007, he was played by Tony Shalhoub. Oh, I love him. He's quirky. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So in February 26, 1993, six people were killed when a rented van loaded with nitrate hydrogen was set off in the basement. And this is amazing. One of the terrorists that were arrested he was arrested when he went to retrieve the $400 deposit oh. he had left for the rental van that they used in the attack. A bit of a cheapskate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The problem, you know, he would have just been known for the fact that he was the funny guy who slipped on a banana peel walking into the <laughs> rental office when right. he went to get the van, you know? Right. He was like, Whoa. And he was also carrying a bunch of plates full of messy food. <laughs> and then after he got the deposit, right before the cops got him, he just walked right through a plate glass window that two movers were carrying. Well, you gotta give him some money. Give the guy a payout. <laughs> so when all the explosion killed six people, injured more than a thousand, and caused nearly three hundred million dollars in property damage. Remember, that was the first and only major foreign terrorist attack on U.S. soil until September 11th. So because that was- we keep our borders up, you can't get up in here. <laughs> They did. They did win. It's an airplane. <laughs> when? What September 11, 2001? It's a whole air, airplanes go up way well, high. Well, damn, I got to change over that sign because that was the thing is that we had that, you know, zero days, like, you know, 10 <laughs> days since, like, a, mm. since, 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 since an accident. Domestic oil. Like, uh. yeah. So out of the 19 hijackers on September 11th, 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia. Two were from the United Arab Emirates, and one was from Lebanon. And the face of 9-11, Mohammed Atta, the most intimidating-looking of all terror, of all the terrorists, mm-hmm. was from Egypt. Not a single one of these guys was from Afghanistan. Remember, Afghanistan was only the place where al-Qaeda was based. Mm-hmm. These guys were not Afghani. I like him because... Nor were they Iraqi. I like him because... Uh you can't misspell his last name. Atta. Either way. <laughs> Forward or backwards. Yep, yep. Same thing. Also, uh, very well cast, if we want to get conspiracy <laughs> theories right, with it as well. Two. Very episode. well cast. Next Good episode. group of headshots Next, they epi- have. Next uh, one. Right, mug shots. It mug is shots. a great, it is, uh, that's his driver's license photo, oh, actually. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So Muhammad Atta, seen as pretty much the ringleader of all the attacks, lived a relatively boring life prior to his radicalization into Islam, as did most of the hijackers. These guys were just, a lot of them were from middle to upper class families. Some of them... in students. Students, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of them had, you know, some of them came from a religious background. Some of them came from a secular background. But they were, and they were almost all students. They, uh, Muhammad Atta, he studied in Germany as an exchange student. He lived with two teachers who eventually kicked him out after six months, citing his closed-mindedness and intense introverted personality. Oh, so, so he's you know. a real dickhead, huh? Yeah, real dickhead. That's weird, because it seems like the guy who flew one of the planes into the, the World Trade Center would be kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the... You know... That, well, that's one of the weird things about some of the other terrorists, is the guy that hijacked United 93... 
that's exactly how he was described. The yeah. people who, uh, his girlfriend, his parents, the guys who knew him at the flight school, they're like, yeah, he'd have a beer with us every once in a while. Yeah. You it was know, almost I mean, like he was a patsy or something set up by the government. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, of course, people who kill people never hang out with uh, regular folks and have beer with them. Jeffrey Dahmer. Mr. Bumblebutt himself. Uh-oh. And Kemper. Everybody's right. best friend. Yeah, so everybody, everybody's best friend. Yeah, yeah. And that's what gets me about these conspiracy theories is that, like, very, very quickly about a lot of these conspiracy theories especially with people like people like oh okay they don't fit the profile there is no profile it's there like is you, no profile. there is no profile it's like, and also like they just don't understand humanity people it's like yes you can be a fucking psychopath it's gonna kill thousands of people but you can also enjoy a little twist and pinch of a nipple Hmm. You can hmm. enjoy, you can enjoy hmm. drinking That's the first beer. Thing you thought? Twist and pinch of a nipple. <laughs> well, I'll tell thought? you, this guy, I can't imagine how closed-minded he must have been if the Germans kicked him out. Yeah. You know, not not exactly a people known for their warmth. He was the only one who did not like standing in line. <laughs> He's he was the here. only one who did not like a, a, according to living, according to very strict rules. <laughs> I smile when I hear the bell that tells me to put my pants on. <laughs> you got to. So it's thought that Todd joined Al-Qaeda in 1997, and while studying in Germany, he formed what was called the Hamburg Cell, along with Marwan Al-Shehi, who piloted United 175, the second plane to hit, and Ziad Jarrah, who piloted United 93, the guy that everyone said was a fun dude, which was, some say, shot down... Most accepted uh, story is that it was actually taken down by the pastor's famous story. But while the hijackers may have been actually, at the very most, I would say, annoyed with American culture. I mean, we're loud. <laughs> but the thing is, we're fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no they hate our freedom or anything like that. They, like every other person involved in the attacks, all these guys, their main motivation was American foreign policy. Our support of Israel and our, uh, in, I guess, our incursion into the Middle East during the first Gulf War. And we talk about this regularly on Top Hat. America's foreign policies, other countries' domestic policy, they live under that rule. Yeah. So yeah. uh, their foreign and our foreign policy is very aggressive in a lot of these countries and uh, extremely controlling. And uh, they don't like the fact that the white devil comes in and tells them how to live. I also yeah. want to bring up the idea of groupthink that we talked a little bit about when we were covering Manson and the Manson family. So that there's a lot of um, the bridge between like talking real hard right. about wanting to bring down the great devil and like and getting into a group, creating a group of people that you kind of hang out and I'll talk about how you like want to do something about America and the American foreign policy going on in your country and that bridge to doing something can be really shortened depending on how isolated you are and how ignorant you are and it's like the Manson family went from hanging around sucking each other's dicks to, to murder in an afternoon right? Yeah. because they had been kind of built into the sort of all-inclusive small society. That's where extremist thought is very dangerous because you can go from taking a very esoteric idea about doing something about American foreign policy to then enacting the plan where you're hijacking planes and flying them into buildings. I'm certain because they are people, there must have been moments where they were like, is this what we should be doing? Mm -hmm. But then of it's course. like, we're part of a greater purpose. And you keep hearing that over and over again, that it's a greater purpose, that you're doing something for your country. And at the end of the day, you don't want to look in your brother's eyes. And tell him you're scared. Them, and tell him you're scared and, and backed out. And basically at that point, be a liar. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You, you've been a hypocrite yeah. this whole time. Uh, but also, what 
I just want to say this outright. I, I, whatever it is that they that they wanted, it's like, did you really want America's fucking hand all the way up your asshole into your guts like it is right now? Did you want that? Because you got it. Yeah. That so sounds congratulations. Like a, sounds like a Toby Keith lyric <laughs> yeah. there. Kind of a Toby Keith thing there. Got America's hand all up in your guts. Can you feel my high school ring underneath <laughs> your top of your mouth? We didn't really get the great music that the Vietnam generation got. No, you know, no, CCR, no, the no. band. We got, we, we got nothing. Nothing Damn. wrong with Toby Keith. but you know. So on May 17th of 2001, Muhammad Atta applied for a United States visa. He got a five-year uh, tourist business visa. The very next day uh, from the United States Embassy in Berlin because this guy he lived in Germany for about five years he was just a student in fact he had a quote strong record as a student and he came from money and wealth yeah he came from money so it was just like yeah of course like go ahead like they didn't even really check him out and at this point he had been going back and forth to Afghanistan a few times like he had supposedly met with Bin Laden himself and Bin Laden had blessed him was like yes you will Mm -hmm. be the attacker him and Ziad Jarrah well you know what those first three meetings are just playing connect four with him because that's how he gets to trust somebody oh yeah absolutely you better lose yeah yeah yeah. and you have to be able to repair his dialysis machine on a regular basis someone needs to come and get the shit out of my fucking kidneys huh (laughs) hey listen do you fuck you come here and you fix the dialysis machine or i will take my cock piece out and i will piss all over your mouth huh <laughs> you like, huh? You friends. We friends, huh? Hey, here is five dollars. Go get me a fucking whopper, huh? Go get anybody, right. huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not a problem. <laughs> so on March 22nd, 2000, Muhammad Atta sent an email to the Academy of Lakeland in Venice, Florida, inquiring about flight training. This is the actual email that he sent. Dear sir, we are a small group of young men from different Arab countries. Now we are living in Germany, since a while for these study purposes. We would like to start training for the career of airline professional pilots. You know how you do. In this field, we haven't yet any knowledge, but we are ready to re-undergo an intensive training program. That I mean, what gets me about this email is that this flight company got this email and all they know is that like okay a bunch of middle eastern guys who live in germany right. were hanging out they want to they, come to lakeland they, florida they want to come to lakeland for florida and they all decided together with no experience previously that they all wanted to become commercial airline pilots did you do you think the fact that florida looks like a penis do you think <laughs> if you're looking at the map of the united states you're like where do we go where do we cut off the we great go straight Satan? to the fucking hard cock of america yeah <laughs> right um, but I will say what is a very interesting is that was the final plan. That was what got them in the door and got them the flight training that they needed. One of the failed plans that Atta attempted to in order to get them trained as pilots is that Atta was watching American television mm-hmm. and saw the dude, this is totally true, saw the dude with the question marks all over his suit. What's his name? Matthew Lesko. Matthew Lesko yes. saw him on TV, bought his book about how to get free money from the government. <laughs> yes. He wrote this big application saying he wanted to finance a crop dusting chemical tank. Like, they were going to get together, we're going to develop this new thing. Mm-hmm. He met with a loan officer from the government. He got that far. The book works, <laughs> right? You it could really be a does. 9-11 terrorist and get free money from the government, mm-hmm. right? He he showed up. He showed up to the loan officer's desk, and she was like, "No, no, no, no," because all the all of the science was wrong. It was like the whole application was filled out badly. She was like, "No, I can't do this." But she was like, "I want to help you, kind of because you know, the standard like we want to help you maybe come to America, though. You're a good student. Like, what, what are you good at?" And he apparently Otto was obsessed with a picture she had on the wall of the Washington Monument, and he was like, "I want this picture." 
I want this picture. She's like, okay. And she's like, what, 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 what are you even talking about? He pulls out a wad of cash the side of a, a softball, is what Ooh. she said. He peeled off bills, bills, and he was like, how much for to buy the picture? She's like, well, you could just get like a postcard of it. And he kept pointing at stuff. He's like, Pentagon. Uh, that's where the Pentagon is here, right there. She's like, yep, that's it. He's like, what are security measures at the Pentagon? <laughs> and right, and she was is like, I don't know. loan officer about the security measures at the Pentagon? Slitter was asking questions about security operations at the World Trade Center, and then he was like, what about in Chicago or Los Angeles or Seattle? And but, she's just like, I don't really know how to tell you how to answer those questions, but I'm sure we could get you a pamphlet. But before you go, now what book did you read? Lesko? Oh, I gotta get that Lesko book. I want to kill all of America, except for men with question marks on jacket tees. Gets- fucking pretty cool. Right, also, right. I like that fucking uh, Aaliyah. Aaliyah's that Aaliyah's a very good singer. She oh. died in plane crash. Too bad. We don't talk about that. That's sad. But of she course, died in a goddamn plane crash. Yeah, we, uh, all might- planes must be destroyed as well. Might have been when it went, sent him over the edge. <laughs> and of course, the question mark sort of looks like a nine. Uh, so if you think about that. No, nope, I've never thought about that <laughs> no, one. Okay, very good. No, no one's ever thought. No one's no, ever no, thought. No, no, no because ever. I'm not the boy from the strange incident with the dog at night. That autistic boy from that book. <laughs> <laughs> it said that uh, that the hijackers were um, quite difficult students, huh. um, unable to follow directions, and would get very angry at tiny little things. Mm-hmm. Well, especially when they would have two guys stand like next to each other, standing up all the way really straight, and then one guy would go. <laughs> Yeah, when here I arm- come for a crash landing, and they're all like, <laughs> "It's like their act outs are very funny." <laughs> right, good improv. So on April 11th, Ata and Shehi rented an apartment at 10001 Atlantic Boulevard, apartment 122 in Coral Springs, Florida, only eight hundred and forty dollars per month, wow. and helped with the arrival of the muscle hijackers. And here's the difference: here is that there were two groups of hijackers. There were the pilots and there was the muscle. The pilots were the guys that got into the cockpit. They were the ones that flew the planes into the you know, into the targets. The muscle were the guys with the box cutters in the back and the mace. We know from uh, one of the, I believe it's the Flight 11 call, uh, that they had both mace and box cutters uh, and stabbed pretty much everybody that they could. Right. So they brought the muscle into the, uh, into the country, and on September 10th, they all ate at Pizza Hut together. Mm. Oh, I love Pizza Hut. Now, was this during the stuffed crust pizza phase? <laughs> it must have been at the birth God. of that. I uh, can't believe... I mean, honestly, though, they're experiencing Florida. They're experiencing Pizza Hut. Don't you have a change of heart? That's why I think these people are soulless. You know, if I went into a country and I didn't particularly care for it, the moment I have their fast food version of pizza... I'm, I'm in love. I'm in love with it. I would yeah. also say, but the, this was not the only thing we were doing. Leading up to the attack, they were spending a lot of money going to Las Vegas, right. uh, getting hammered, uh, buying prostitutes, buying like uh, two hundreds and hundreds of dollars of sex toys, um, hanging out with women, uh, like doing. It's very interesting. What was supposed to be a very solemn time, preparation for their sacrifice well, to Allah, uh, I guess was uh, filled with a lot of uh, American style Donald Trump. Celebrations. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's the best thing they ever did. Um, before you go into battle, you're allowed some you're allowed some drink and some women and things like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they also said that they wanted to appear American. They wanted to appear naturalized. That's why they right. all. That's why they were all clean shaven. I will say they definitely appeared Floridian. You <laughs> yes. know, they just went to Vegas and acted like white trash. You know what? And also on the day of September 11th, they were. The, uh, 
half of them, they were saying the whole crew that went to get uh, Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon were all uh, stopped by security and given extra security measures. They all failed the first test Mm -hmm. and then were left right on through. Yeah. And I'll tell you, nothing dates you more than watching those old, like, the, the security cams of those guys coming on to the plane. Oh, Like, yeah. all those pilots, and it's like, they still got their shoes on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's crazy. <laughs> also, since when does footage from 2001 look like it's from 1987? <laughs> no, no, no. See, I explained that to you. It wasn't the future until 2004. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, it just looks so old. The past, yeah, so. now it's the past. But 2004 was when the future arrived. Before that, it was still the past. But too- if you think about it, it makes sense. I'm still not convinced a nine doesn't look like a question mark. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I really, yeah. I, I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, so on September 11th, uh, in the morning, they boarded their respective planes, armed with their box cutters, took off to meet their destinies, or as Ata called it in his diary, Quote, his marriage in heaven. Right. Um, which which would have also just... my sister wrote about fucking uh, the guy who played Legolas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she yes. was in seventh grade. Oh, very attractive guy there. Sensitive. Um, my sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product right now. Aura has a great deal for mother's day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best selling frame. That's a U R a frames.com. Use code left at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. 
Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. So now... uh I think we've reached the end of like how much we can joke around. Yeah, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. So uh, just so you know, it's a it's gonna be a little serious from here on out. Yeah, because uh, we are now waking up in the morning of September 11th. May I just ask the question: Where were you, and what were you doing on 9/11? This is the day to your analogy earlier about JFK. I mean, this is even larger than that. Everyone knew where they were when he was shot. I was personally woken up, waking up in a hungover stupor, missing class <laughs> from a phone call. Um, in Menominee, Wisconsin, for my mother asking me if I was okay, as if Menominee was the next target. Uh, as if they were like, we're going to UW Stout and we're blowing up Ben's dorm room. Uh, we're getting, oh, we got to blow up Rumples. <laughs> yeah, I hate how they got free wings on Tuesdays oh, and yeah. girls' night on Fridays. I swear to God, everybody in small town Wisconsin thought they were next. Like every, but everyone around the country did. You know, it was oh, very yeah. bizarre. No, no, no. I know uh, Ed uh, Larson from the Roundtable Gentleman, the brighter side, he said he just sat and stared at the Capitol building in Tallahassee because he was convinced that the terrorists were coming after Tallahassee next. To be fair, he would have been doing that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was on mushrooms. Also, Eddie uh, wanted to join the army right after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God you guys convinced him not to do that, Henry. <laughs> yeah, he would be like a senator right now or some kind of lawyer or something. Maybe. I was uh, senior year of high school. Uh, and I remember watching it in my English class, and it's that fucked up thing. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, man, this is like an action movie. Oh, yeah. Right. I was like my first impulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't until afterwards when you realized, like, wow, how real it was. You know, we're just so used to it. You're so watching action, you don't see something like that all the time. Then all of a sudden, you, you, you see it happen, and you're just like, it's shock. It's yeah. crazy. My yeah, brother's yeah. husband was right down there. He had to hide in a doorway. I mean, it was, I mean, so many people. Yeah, so crazy. many. Yeah, it's uh, uh, one of our new guys here at the station. He was 11 and was downtown going to school, and he saw both planes. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, let's get let's let's start going through the timeline here. 7:59 a.m. Uh, flight 11 takes off from Logan International in Boston. 92 people. 8:15 United 175 takes off, also from Boston. 65 people aboard that plane. At 8.20, 20 minutes after Flight 11 takes off, this flight attendant named Betty Hong calls ground personnel. She actually calls the, the flight desk, uh, the reservation desk. That's the only people that she can get a hold of. She calls the reservation desk and tells them the plane has been hijacked. She says mace has been used. Two flight attendants have... Two flight attendants have been stabbed and are bleeding out. The pilots have been stabbed and are bleeding out. The hijackers have barred themselves in the cockpits. Uh, 8.20, one minute later, American Airlines Flight 77 takes off from D.C., and this is also very interesting. What they what they talk about uh, on the planes is that every one of these planes were only filled to thirty percent capacity. 
uh, which is very interesting. And also they figured out how to shut off the transponders on these planes, which is like technically they didn't have training to do, and they disappeared off of radar. Yeah. Um, which is also I mean, very suspicious. We'll I mean, talk turning about the off war a, games exercises yeah. and stuff I like mean, that. turning off a transponder, you you know, you put a box cutter to the throat of a pilot, he'll tell you where the transponder is. And all pilots, that's just weird because I just thought all pilots were kind of like on a base suicidal. <laughs> no, 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 different. Oh, the different. opposite. I always yeah, thought they were sort of Harrison Ford and they like to hang out with large hairy creatures. <laughs> but, so that's a whole different movie, I guess. Little yeah. little quick note, though. Boston 850 flight Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Ted and Family, I was mm-hmm. supposed to be on it, but he overslept. Yeah, so Mark, if over- Mark Wahlberg also really? supposed to be on that flight. Yeah, I love Mark Wahlberg. We wouldn't have had Ted or Ted too. Yeah, in a sliding <laughs> doors world. Yeah, we wouldn't have had American Dad. Oh my god. <laughs> So at 824, uh, Muhammad accidentally makes a transmission to air traffic controllers instead of making the transmission to uh, the people in the cabin. Right. And we He's, talk about the, you know these very serious things, but these, they have bloopers, you know, like when, yeah. when, uh, yeah, when, yeah. when Bundy would misplace his, his wrench, you know, or his, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've all got, they're all, you know, that's these are those weird human moments right. like those weird kind of humanizing moments that it's like oh they aren't they it isn't an action movie because you can imagine his reaction would be like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fuck 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 yeah and then they have a good laugh about it like oh, do you remember when you almost fucked it up <laughs> yeah dude okay let's go do 9-11 now <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. He said, nobody move. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any moves, you'll endanger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, he said, nobody move, please. We're going back to the airport. Don't try to make any stupid moves. So and some asshole in the back's like, I'm not trying to make stupid moves. I'm trying to make smart moves. Well, no, we, he was... <laughs> Kill the nerd. Heroes. The people on those planes were heroes. So as far as the people on the ground were concerned, this is still a hostage type of situation. Right. These guys aren't... They're not scrambling jets or anything because the people on the ground are like, okay... These guys have a bomb. There's some sort of like, mm-hmm. it's like those uh, kind of, it's like those plain uh, hostage situations that used to happen all the time in the 70s. And right. we will talk in further detail next episode about the war games that were being yes. played during this time. Vigilant Guardian was being done. Another thing called, um, what was the other one called? Uh, Amalgram. Ugh, I we'll, told you about yeah, that. Yeah. We'll get into all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so all these people on the ground, they're thinking, okay, let's, let's not scramble the jets just yet. This is a hostage situation. We don't want to spook them. Let's let this be for a second. Uh, but what you also realize is that everything that happens happens extremely fast. All of this happens, but between the time that they uh, hijack the flight and hit the first plane, less than 20 minutes. Crazy. Uh, so 10 minutes later, uh, the plane's transponder is turned off makes them pretty much invisible to air traffic control. Uh, and, you know, people always ask, why does, why can you turn transponders off? Uh, pilots turn the transponder off every time they're on the ground because it interferes with radio traffic. Mm. Uh, yep. So a pilot turning on and off the transponder is as natural as anything else. It's something that they do multiple times every day. I am very confused. It doesn't make the plane like the Wonder Woman plane. <laughs> right, that's what I was <laughs> But thinking. I'm not a scientist right, or no. a pilot. No. So it does take them about 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, the FAA, they contact NORAD, who scrambles jets to locate and tail Flight 11, but not one jet would even get off of the tarmac before the first plane hits. I mean, 20 minutes is un. Uh, that's so quick. It's unreal. Yes. So at eight. You literally could. You would not even get through an episode of, you know, 
I don't even know. I've been watching Grace. I've been watching Review lately. I'm a big fan. It's a good show. Thanks. (laughs) Good show. I would also uh, say, (laughs) but that's a. but technically, our government had been preparing for this. That's where the lies come in later on when they say that we were never prepared for planes to fly into our World Trade Center when they had actually had replanned for the thing over and over. It's you next know, episode. Yeah, I'm next just saying. Episode. I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. they understood that it was <laughs> a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say I've been screaming in an apartment for five <laughs> days about what the government has done. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I've been balls deep in raw news footage for five or six days. I'm not going to say I spent four hours at the 9-11 museum yesterday. I'm not going to say that all of my dreams have been horrific or confusing like that dream that I had where me and Miley Cyrus wrote a 9-11 musical together. How's Carly do and your girlfriend. We had a big fight last night. Cool. Yeah, yeah, because I'm dead inside. I've been kind of hollow and not talking at all. Uh, And I got, and we got mad at each other because I didn't think she could quote unquote handle it. Uh, And she took that as an insult, which rightly she should have. It's cool to date us. I was thinking, uh, the TV show I was thinking about was According to Jim. Oh, 22 minutes. According to Jim. I can't believe all of 9-11 happened over one episode of According to Jim. (laughs) Jim Belushi should have never been famous. So at 8.42, Flight 93 takes off 40 minutes late. And this is extremely important because all of the flights were coordinated to take off at the same time. Mm. They were all supposed to take off around 8 a.m. or at least within like 10 minutes of each other. And this one takes off 40 minutes later. And this is Flight 93. This is the one that crashes outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And the fact that this plane was late is the only reason why it did not crash into the Capitol building. Mm. That is the only reason why. If they, that flight would not have been laid, they would have they would have destroyed the Capitol building. Because we know, uh, because um, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was one of the architects that we captured a couple years afterwards, that's what, they asked him what was the fourth target, Capitol building. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been completely destroyed. Again, not Menominee, Wisconsin. No, at, no, at no, no point no, was no, Menominee, no. Wisconsin. Never threatened. once, not, not Lansing, Mich- Michigan. No, no, yeah, no, no Not no. Troubadour, Texas. No, not even <laughs> Troubadour, Texas. Wow. So this is when it starts getting intense. Uh, 8.46 a.m., first plane crashes, takes seven floors of the North Tower. It takes from 93 to 99. While the plane disintegrated instantly, passengers from the plane were thrown out and landed on the ground, still strapped into their seats. Now, this is when they first thought, when it first happened, everyone thought, of course, that it was an accident. Right. Yeah. Um, so they reported it like it was an accident. There was right. some kind of pilot error. And you and, recall there was a baseball player who flew a single-edged plane into a building a couple of years following. Yeah. So these things did happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was the biggest one of that. This was yeah. probably the biggest bumble Well, no, there was a, a plane flew was. into the Empire State Building in thirty nine forty. Yeah, it's not, like unhe- it's not unheard of. Yeah, it's not unheard of. Yeah, but, but that's when planes were made out of like balsa wood, and it just had a guy with <laughs> yeah, a big yeah. rubber band attached to like he would be, he would be doing a bicycle for the fucking propellers to spin on the side of it. <laughs> right. I love your ver- your vision of the forties. <laughs> <laughs> so the wingspan of this plane, half a football field long, and the wings of the plane loaded with almost ten thousand gallons of jet fuel, and most of that fuel still in it again. Such a short trip. Yeah. Such a short trip. So Marsh, Inc., they were a company that was located on floors 93 to 100. That was the 
location of the impact. They lost 295 employees and 63 consultants instantly, while five floors above Cantor Fitzgerald Cantor Fitzgerald LP. Uh, they were an investment bank. They were on floors 101 to 105. They lost 658 employees in the ensuing fire. Well, that reminds me of a time I was working in the finance district uh, with a guy uh, for a headhunting agency. I had sort of conned my way into this job. Um, this, this is these are the events that like literally made some of these these Wall Street traders into like Vietnam vets. Right. And right. I met one of these guys who was this guy named Will Stavenhagen, who uh, was a headhunter that I worked for in an office. It was three people in the office, and he was a fucking nutbag. And he used to walk back and forth screaming like, "I never want to see you off the fucking phone." And he was in, he was insane. Sounds like Jordan Belfort from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. He wanted to be like that. Right. And I remember one time we all go out for drinks. He's like, "Everybody get." the fuck up get the fuck up we're going out for drinks it's friday we're gonna go out we're gonna fucking relax and he was you know he's insane yeah like jeremy so, piven from pcu and so we go to a bar across the street and i sit with him and at this time i'm in full hippie face mm-hmm. i have like a six inch long fucking like goatee my hair's really long i had like i was i was just like all high like just like all the time <laughs> all <then> high 100 <laughs> percent high and he bought us a case like shots we're doing shots he said, and he's just like, gets two shots. And he's, I was just like, yeah, and you know, it's it kind of what a, so what brought you into this thing? And he's like, all my friends died in 9-11. Great. And just took the oh. shot. I'm just in the cool, 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 yeah. cool, cool. I want to be a sketch comedian. <laughs> but no, these guys, right. like, imagine that. Because yeah. you know how many times in your life have you, I mean, straight up, I remember when I was working in an office and be like, man, I want to go down that street and I want to see that building in fucking flames, mm-hmm. right? I want to come in. I will do anything to not work today. Fantasy, yes. And it's like that shit was real. Yeah. Right. That is horrifying. Just make sure it stays a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, to remind you real quick how many people uh, were at the World Trade Center uh, over the entire complex, buildings one through seven, over a quarter of a million people yeah. were at the World Trade Center every single day. I can't right. believe that, you know, it's it, the people, there were many heroes that day. Yeah, we'll cover a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And when the plane hit, when the first plane hit, jet fuel shot down at least one elevator shaft. This gigantic fireball shot down an elevator shaft. It caused explosions on the 77th and 22nd floor as well as at the street level on the west side lobby. It was so large that 18 people were burned by this fireball and only 11 of them survived. God, I don't want to be the seven Oof. that lived. I saw in the 9-11 Museum they had uh, on display... Uh, a mask that one of these guys wore uh, for eight years because his face had to be constantly moisturized. I'm just mm. going to say this, okay? If you lose the face, if you're in a burn thing and you lose your whole face... Get into radio. Don't, get into radio. Number one is yeah. great because, I mean, I've come to be weird as showing like this the whole time. I don't want to be mean. Like, Do not be mean. No. Be mean. But get like a Cobra Commander Ooh. helmet <laughs> and be a supervillain. Yeah. Um, you know? So, the flame... Goes down the entire elevator shaft. The debris from the initial crash 
caused absolute chaos on the ground. Cars were crashing into each other and were being set on fire. And you see the pictures of the aftermath. There are entire blocks where there are cars that are just shells. Yeah. Like the the tires have burned down, the windows have busted out, uh, and they're just absolute shells. Because you got to realize that you know when that plane goes through, there's a ton of debris. Being literally tons of debris being you, flown on the streets. True war footage. They went. The plane hit the building at over 500 miles. Wait, that's per what hour. they say. And they were like, a guy was would say he saw one of the witnesses on 102 minutes was watching it from his roof. He was just out on his roof and he right. saw it happen. And he was like, this plane was just tearing ass. Like it was. Yeah. He was like, it was really moving. And so what happened? It hits the windows, and so it's a moving explosion. Like it hits. It, inst- it instantly explodes, but the momentum of it carries it so it shoots out the other side. It's crazy. It's just like, it's a it's a huge explosion. And yeah. that documentary captured people, like you mentioned earlier, Henry, about how you almost thought it was, because it is so insane, it was almost like an action movie vibe. Yeah. And in Wisconsin, too, you're so disconnected. But oh, yeah. even people watching it from, you know, 15 blocks, 20 blocks away, they almost had a disconnect, too, when they had saw it at first. It wasn't, I wouldn't say laughter by any means, but it was like, what? What happened? Yeah. What's going holy on? shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's exactly. just me like, holy shit. You Are they think filming a movie in Wall Street? What's happening? Yeah, or yeah. was it huge accident you assume it's a huge accident and it's more just being like holy shit look at that that's yeah, crazy right. i've never seen that before yeah. you know and i really did i watched uh raw news footage from three di- uh, the first two hours i watched the raw news footage from uh three separate stations i watched the cnn one which kind of proved that cnn has all always been terrible oh, i yeah. watched the abc one charlie gibson is a wonderful journalist but the best one that i watched was the local new york city nbc affiliate mm. uh because you get from that you get the eyewitnesses right on the ground. You oh, get it's New, crazy. You, you get New Yorkers calling in immediately yeah. and just saying, "I saw this." And between after the first uh, plane hit, between the first and the second plane, everybody's just sort of bewildered. Right? They, they're not really. You no, know, no one is even mentioning the word terrorism. No, no one. Because, wa- no, 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 no one wants because it's the. It's starting to be like that. It, but you can kind of feel it itching in the back of everyone's brain. Well, it's because this is before we've been fucking indoctrinated. Now yeah. we're indoctrinated to look for terrorism. Well, we're right going to get into terrorism and how that's created unlimited war because there's no borders and things like that. Absolutely, later. but the idea is that now it's a, a word we think about every, every fucking day. day. Yeah. Yeah. And like. Like you mentioned with 9-11, you know, I hadn't actually really thought about it as a brand, but it is a swoosh to some degree. It is yeah. the Nike swoosh when you think yeah. 9-11. Oh, we you, got we got bought and sold. Right. Uh, but uh, I wanna, we'll talk about the next episode. Yes. Yeah. But, the, but again, th- what we talked about with Columbine, these are this is this place where those those eyewitnesses were first starting to talk to the newspapers and something, and then to, to the news stations. That's where a lot of conspiracies got born immediately. Right. Yeah. Because they were all in a panic. I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy. These as firefighters were going up into the buildings, reporters were running towards these uh, the smoke as well, but with a camera and a microphone, putting it in people's faces who were covered in soot as if they just got out of chimney, uh, being a chimney sweep, and be like. What's going on? What you thinking? And it's like, what do you think? Me, are, you, are you rehearsing to be Santa Claus later? <laughs> well, the local NBC affiliate, the the one that I watched, the on the ground reporters were fantastic. They were yeah. getting information while still being sensitive. People wanting to talk, uh, and we'll listen later because uh, I will warn you later. We will be hearing some footage, uh, both from on the ground. And from inside the building. The whole point of this is to make it as real as humanly possible. This is real. This happened. Like, this is a, this was not an action movie, and it is so far removed now uh, that this, that's what this is. This is actually real. So, because of the angle of the impact of the plane, all the stairwells and 
all of the elevators from the 92nd floor up were rendered completely unusable. It trapped 1,344 people above, and none of them would survive. Nope. Not a single one would get out. So the people in the towers, uh, both above, both below, and in the second tower, knew Nothing. This was pre-ubiquitous internet. And- because they felt it. Of course they felt it up above. Right. They yeah. said they felt the tower sway. Yeah. They felt the tower move and then snap back into position. But the people below it, because of the way these buildings are built, you know, they're built to sort of, of like course. move yeah. with oh, yeah. like the wind and stuff like that. They did not feel it. Like it happened, some power went out, and like, but no one actually heard the crash. They didn't feel the whole building shake. Yeah. And the people calling emergency services, which were pretty much the only people that, and even emergency services didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but the uh, I also watched this other documentary called Inside the, the Towers, uh, where it's a lot of people that were in there that got out. Uh, and this this one woman said that she called up emergency services, and emergency services was telling them like, "Yeah, you're in the first tower. Yes, Port Authority. Uh, Port Authority is the uh, they're the I guess the organization that managed the World Trade Center. The engineers, the blue collar guys. They're like, yes, Port Authority is saying that you should evacuate." Right Right now. Yeah, go to use the stairwell yeah, and stuff, go, and then you go out to the stairwell, and it's and there's nothing there. Yeah, what are you yeah. gonna do? But they but they were being told by the emergency services to get out of there. But some of the companies came over their PA and said, "Please stay at your desks. Please stay at your desks. Do not evacuate. Right. Do not evacuate." Uh, so. Pretty soon afterwards, like I said, Port Authority starts evacuating the North Tower. They're telling the people in the South Tower to stay put, which was at the time the best idea. That's what they should have done. Yeah, because they thought it was an accident. Because they thought it was an accident. Because if you get everybody in both towers, uh, if you get them all out on the street, the firefighters and the EMTs, they're going to have a lot harder time getting in to the North Tower to put out the fire to rescue people. Uh, so they told everyone in the South Tower, all right, stay put. And there were people trying to get out. They wouldn't even let people in the second tower out of the building. They had security guards down at the bottom of the stairs barring the exit and saying, like, please return to your offices. Please return to your offices. Uh, and thinking that this was all an accident, emergency services, they get there within minutes, and the very first group of firefighters who showed up, they had a feeling. Like, there was one guy who survived from this, and they all looked at each other. They said, you know, there's a good chance we're not going to make it out of this Oh, yeah, alive. you look up right. at this huge yeah. building, you basically watch a, because it goes, it's like normal, 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 nor, and then those floors of just pure flame, mm-hmm. and then the people you're supposed to save. Yeah. That's how brave. I mean, of course, it's like I know that there's there was sort of like a little bit of, of a period after 2001 where it's like America's the firefighters were America's superheroes. Yeah. And they were very, you know, of course, oh, like they are, almost yeah. cultish, oh, cultish. Yeah. They you deserve know, it. Uh, but, but with this, this event specifically, of course, it's just shown to me like these are just civil servants. These are people that are just paid. Yeah. To to they're, it's a job. Firefighters yeah. don't write tickets when you have to go into the, uh, you know, into the grocery store really quick. They don't give you a fine if you're drinking a beer on the street. All but I'm also. Going to say do is save people's lives, but, but there were a lot of police officers that also lo- lost their lives yes, on this. Of course. And it's like now we're in this sort of weird situation and a weird relationship with with authority in America right now. According, well, you know, with like what's going on with the how police officers are trained and and how they're acting and. Uh, 
it's important to remember that, that they are men, and they, they there's a lot of th- and women, and they are and they're humans, and they're sacrificing. Well, we'll stuff get in, for yourself. we'll get into that in future episodes. In '93, they militarized the police because of the war on drugs. Obviously, after 2001, the war on terrorism, the police got remilitarized, and that's mm-hmm. why we're having situations that yeah. we're having right now. That's yeah. when they started giving them tanks. Right, exactly. Yeah. Even Stevens Point, Wisconsin, for example, my hometown. My little brother just called me. They got a brand new tank. Nothing has happened in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. I think somebody stole. A jar of Smuckers, like, like all what last happened? year. Are they just are they just filling it with like they're just, like, they're just filling no. it with brats. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, yeah, it's just for, it's a good cooker. It's a good cooker for July Fourth yeah. because basically these police forces, if they don't spend the money, then they then they get their fen- funding cut. So they're like, we want millions of dollars next year. Let's buy a tank. Yeah, exactly. That's what anyway, so out of that first group, they all acknowledged they're probably not going to get out of there alive. They all shook each other's hands, went up the stairs. Only one of those guys survived. And this is when it starts getting really intense, the jumpers. The jumpers start about 15 minutes after the first plane hit. And people on the ground, they said that the bodies hitting the ground sounded like sacks of cement. Like it was such a deep thud. And the myth that a lot of people have about jumpers from buildings, the myth that a lot of people have is that, you know, you lose consciousness Mm. before you hit the ground. That is not true. They weren't traveling fast enough. Yeah. These bodies, they were traveling at a speed of about 150 miles per hour, which is enough to cause instant death, but not enough to cause them to lose consciousness. Because it cuts them. I remember when you watch a lot of the uh, the people in the street footage of the the tower. Mm. Or as, they were, as they were going up the World Trade Center, like you could see people waving shirts above right, the, right. the attack line, above the fire line. Yep. There were people waving shirts in the top, and they were kind of all kind of chained together. Um, they, they were smashing out the windows. Which and, was a bad idea. Which was both a good idea and a bad idea. It was a good idea for them because the heat is, is the heat's moving upwards, uh, cooking them. Mm-hmm. They were, they, they were trying, but the thing is that the oxygen came rushing in from the broken windows, feeding the flames underneath them. Um, and one, I literally was watching 102 Minutes, and one of the people recording the building was like, oh, look, it's paper. Look, paper's coming mm-hmm. out of the building. Mm-hmm. And then she, and then someone's just like, wait a second, I think that that's a person. It was falling too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, caught it. And then they were like, oh my God, that's a person. And they freak. Yeah. And I had a shot. Close my laptop. I'm oh, like, it's so crazy. like I almost like threw it across the room. It's a, it was, uh, it's kind of crazy because it's just one of those things. Right, the reason why to bring it up is it just show like those are the moments of real claustrophobic panic that happen that make that that's what's real about this. Mm. Uh, whatever 9/11 was used for afterwards in terms of like politically and on a global scale is one thing, but this is the 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 micro fucking tragedy is this kind of shit. This is the humans. Like, you gotta remember that these were all humans. So at 8.50, President Bush, of course, we've all seen the famous footage. He's listening to a group of kids uh, reading a book called The Pet Goat uh, in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Very ironic name, by the way. Very much so. He is told... Baphomet, if you want to get into that. No, it's not Baphomet. He wasn't wasn't Bush was teaching the children about Satan. That's part three. Uh, the world's most dangerous book. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, so he's told uh, that the second plane is hit, uh, and he knew uh, and he knew on the way to the elementary school. He had already been told that the first plane had been hit. But and he said that he had watched video footage, which would have been completely impossible because it wasn't released until that afternoon, actual video footage of the, uh, yeah. the first Well, plane he's not the, the most eloquent person, yeah. yeah. So he waits a full seven minutes before... 
make it a move. I mean, let's. Uh, he wanted to hear how the book ended. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And then afterwards, he disappeared for most of the day. And we'll talk on the next one about what, personally, my belief. Where did he go? What was he doing? Dick Cheney was the president on 9-11. Dick Cheney was the president. Absolutely. I mean, and then he did have to catch up on episodes of According to Jim. Oh, (laughs) yeah. God, I love that. In later uh, later interviews with President Bush about the day of September 11th, a lot of his responses, you can tell, at least when he's talking about when he saw the footage, what his first reactions were, it seems scripted. It seems like someone has told him, well, like, okay, this is this is what you say, or at least this is what he's prepared for himself. It's of like, course. this is what, this is what, because he's not a very good off the cuff speaker, so he's like, this is an important No, and you cannot good- fucking bungle up today, George. <laughs> exactly. Well, he did a great, we'll get to, yeah. I thought he did, he did a good job with the, with the loudspeaker there at the end of the day. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so he, you know, he got, he uh, is like, okay, I can't mess this up. I have to have a prepared statement for when people right. interview me about this. But later on in that same interview, when he's talking about the aftermath of 9-11, what he had to deal with afterwards, he said something like, this is, I think, one of, if not the most telling sentence about the entire Bush administration. He said, I never campaigned that I could handle being a wartime president. Of course. But, you know, when you bring on Rumsfeld, when you bring on Ashcroft, when you bring on Cheney, you bring the biggest hawks. H.W., his father, hated these guys. And yeah. He told him not to bring them into the administration. Rumsfeld immediately said Saddam had something to do with it. And Bush ran on a campaign of being a compassionate conservative who cared about education. Yeah. And then he's the perfect, perfect pawn yeah. for 9-11. So at 9.02 a.m., 17 minutes after the first plane hits... Uh, Port Authority officially orders the total evacuation of both buildings. That's when someone, again, gets a little itch in the back of their head that says, like, okay, something's wrong here. Up to 14,000 people are already evacuating when they make this call. And one minute after they make the call to evacuate both buildings, United 175 crashes into floors 75 to 85 of the South Tower, much lower than the first, and you can see on 102 minutes is that the streets of Manhattan just go insane. Go because mm. they realize, oh, this is terrorism. Right. Yeah. This is on purpose. The guy that uh, Jose that uh, that we just hired here, you know, I said earlier that he was 11 when he saw it. Him and his, he was there with his older brother who was a teenager when the first plane hit. They started walking towards it, right? Because it was a curiosity. It was like, oh, let's go, let's go see, let's let's see what's happening here. And he said, when the second plane mm. hit, they just an instinctively started running in the yeah. second direction, which the, everybody uh, did. Opposite direction. Yeah. People started, were freaking out, and I I saw it live. I saw the second plane hit live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, same, same here. Yeah, and that was yeah. insane. That was insane. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. Uh, in fact, we're going to start uh, playing stuff uh, now. We're going to play some video clips. This is uh, this first clip is from the people on the ground. This is real reactions from people. This is a bunch of uh, this is just NYU students uptown. That, what is that falling? Oh my god! Don't be a person. Where? Oh my god! Where? That right there? What are those big heavy things falling at a rate that a piece of paper would not fall? Oh my god! No way. Like that, Caroline, do you see that? 
Yeah, I see it. I see it. I just, I mean, who's to say it's not like a chair? Regardless, it's gonna be so dangerous at that that base. Obviously. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. And this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. 
besides appetizers. That's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So you can definitely tell the mood changes. Yeah. Yeah. The mood changes from this kind of detached. Right. Like, you know, that's maybe it's chairs or something like nope. that. Like, it, it's like it's just sort of, you know, and it's like, oh, man, it's got to be so dangerous. Like it goes from because you talk to a lot of or you talk to a lot of people and a lot of people on the street, too. And a lot of people in these videos, they're just like, oh, my God, like look the, at those people, look at those people truly like, empathetic. Like truly. You're looking, looking at these people, I, I feel like that's a true, to be honest, a measure of New Yorkers character yeah. because the one thing that we got is like a, there is a sense of schadenfreude Fred, 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 Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude, in New York, right? Where it's like you know, like like seeing somebody else's misery a little bit because we're all kind of miserable. Mm-hmm. But there's also that other thing of like a great sort of like commiseration of like you could imagine yourself having gone all the way to work, right? You know, an hour commute all the way to work, and then this this shit happens where it's like even because at that point it's just an accident, yeah. And you imagine yourself like up there. Um, 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 New Yorkers are like uh, have a lot of uh, beautiful kind of energy there's a good there's a great spirit here where it's like you see that a lot with this footage or people being concerned for people in the towers and not talking shit yeah um and then yeah i mean new yorkers are some of the nicest people in the world because they don't fake kindness when they're nice to you you know they mean it that's yeah. for sure that's why and, i love the city know, so much like we we all saw this on or i mean at least i did and i know mark is far removed i mean new york deals oh. with things new yeah. york dealt with this i mean it's crazy to think about we can watch it, and we know the ramifications in a theoretical level. But yeah. to be there is a whole other story. And again, how do you feel about this, guys? Right? Do you feel that 9-11 and the coverage of 9-11, because right? they were saying before, it's like they really were trying to get the facts right. They, were, they weren't trying to jump on it. They, they were filling the air with noise, yeah. right? Oh, and and yeah. they, were covering, they were trying to cover it as much as possible. But do you really feel like we were looking at uh, that before 9-11 and the day of 9-11, working, we're looking at the last bits of non-staged news reading that has happened since? I feel like the tone of, of how things are covered and the way when we talk about 9-11 as a brand has been so pervasive over the last like 15 years that we can't even see the forest for the trees. Yeah, I think anymore? that nine eleven was, uh, and we'll listen right. We'll listen right now to uh, the ABC News, like them actually with the footage on uh, their screen. I think it is the last instance of uh, honest journalism. I feel that like is, it, that has ever well, happened. Attached, attached to journalism. Well, now everything that just, wasn't about. That wasn't just about outrage. Like you think you you would think Sandy Hook. There would be some sort of a, emotional attachment no. to that. Immediately branded. Immediately branded and immediately in the media used as a football, a political football. That this is oh this can be used to argue my point. This can be used to argue well, right. my point. What they have done is taken our emotions from us. And we're going to talk about this in conspiracy as well. What they've done, I think, a part of it is this, where it's like. 
like all of a sudden it's like how they covered the shooting that happened yesterday of the cameraman and the reporter when, they, when, they, when, they, when the cameraman and the, and the reporter that were shot and the way they immediately sort of flipped it and they took his footage and it was like they almost made it better the way they like they took it off his Facebook page and they showed the, the first person footage of him fucking shooting those people which is horrific and no one should watch it and they took that and then they immediately ripped it down like it was like and they and they almost like kind of coyly presented how they took it down mm-hmm. we we have we have since this day we have been we've been watching nothing but theater on television yeah well of course television news is never going to be accurately describing the events because they're all paid for by companies like Northrop Grumman and uh, you know major manufacturers of weapons and so again who benefits from 9/11 you want to get we want to get into that we'll get into that in future you know? episodes of course quibono quibono damn it dog <laughs> meat let's, let's you're let, getting too real let's listen to uh, let's this listen whole to episode's this. a little too real yeah <laughs> all right here we are not appear that there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet now remember oh my god oh my god that looks like a second plane has just I did not see a plane go in. That that just exploded. We I, just saw another plane coming saw, in from the side. You did. I did that was out of absolute Yes, and that's view. the second explosion. You could see the plane come in just from the right-hand side of the screen. So this looks like it is some sort of a concerted... And that's one thing that you also hear in the newsroom, uh, is you hear them, when it hits, you hear the, oh my God, like everybody just stopping and staring. And then after about... 10 seconds they gather themselves and they're like oh this is like oh we have a job to do now we have to report it as accurately as humanly possible yeah and then but also then you get to people in the street and what's the first thing they said it's like you watch it too in 102 minutes when that second plane hits and they're all you know you just gotta be like it's immediately someone's just like osama bin laden like yeah. they just start saying that shit and they're like and then or the, the miserable times, in the Times Square uh, footage that they have yeah it's people like oh Osama bin Laden yeah I mean, because uh, we knew of course they knew because Osama bin Laden we've been setting La- him up for a long time if we want to say if we're looking to cast a villain well, we were making him a real yeah, yes, no yes, we yes. didn't set him up I mean, we just because, chose not to murder him yeah he was also like he was a part of the 1993 bombings and he had also been what? a part of the USS Cole bombing Clinton from two have years killed earlier him. absolutely Bill yeah Clinton yeah. should have killed Osama bin Laden yeah, he's our Christoph Waltz from back in the day the permanent villain <laughs> yeah i think the media i think they were just frankly too shocked to get stuff wrong they are so careful to not get anything wrong on this uh and i think yeah this it was the death knell of of good journalism and uh, well, charlie america. rose is still out there yeah everyone loves charlie rose right. so 32 minutes after that flight 77 crashes into the pentagon the forgotten attack killing 59 on the plane and 125 military and civilian personnel inside the building. On the side of the Pentagon that happened to be under construction that was also built to withstand a uh, missile attack. Very interesting how it hit it on a very specific side. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk also about the weird maneuver it made, almost like a military jet pilot, the way it made when it swooped around. And it next episode. Into that in the next episode. episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So... <laughs> And gra- it's hard. Yeah, I know. It's it, hard. I, I get upset. I know. I get. I've, I've been getting a little upset the last couple of days. <laughs> so ground crews, they had only found out ten minutes earlier that Flight Seventy Seven had been hijacked, and it's at this point that planes were only grounded in the New York City area. Okay, think about this. There were three planes that had so far flown into targets. There were four thousand planes still in the air right they could attack literally 
anywhere in the United States. They did not know where the next attack was coming from. And that is when the FAA grounded all flights, which took two hours to get all of of these flights on the ground, which is... Both imp- terrifying and impressive all at the same time because right. it was still two hours where there were flights in like, the air. You mean tell me I'm not going to see Maiden at fucking Lollapalooza? <laughs> That's not right, man. Real vi- victims all across the country. Oh, yeah. So when firefighters finally arrived at the top levels, they found that all of the water lines had been cut. There was no water up there. The sprinkler systems in the office also completely cut. This combined with the heat of an office fire, which office fires are notoriously the hottest of all building fires because paper, yeah, so much paper. And you think all these financial institutions, this is 2001, right. this was back when these finance, they had streams entire, of paper, entire floors just of paper. files, yeah, yeah, yeah. just Absolutely. paper, you know, and that burns hot. It could all be held in an iPad today, but yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. And this, the temperature up there, uh, with the, you know, of course, the jet fuel, the paper, which was burning much hotter than the actual jet fuel. So uh, this is a 911 call uh, from the 83rd floor in uh, Tower 2. And this is definitely, I will, this is, this one's uh, pretty intense. We're going to play a couple parts from it, the beginning and the end. Okay, ma'am, how you doing? Is it, is it, is, are they going to be able to get somebody up here? Well, of course, ma'am. We're coming up for you. Well, there's no one here yet, and the floor is completely engulfed. We're on the floor, and we can't breathe. Okay. And it's very, very, very hot. It's very, is it, are the lights still on? The lights are on, but it's very hot. Ma'am, ma'am. Thank very you. hot. We're all the way on the other side of Liberty, and it's very, very hot. Any lights, did you go turn the lights off? No. No, the lights are off. Okay, good. Now, everybody stay calm. It's also like for these people that they're calling, it's above their pay grade. Yeah. You know, so they, they're they used to, like, somebody not, getting stabbed in the subway. Or, but their you know. jobs are to be reasonable. Their jobs right. are to, in the face of emergency, is to be, you have to be held together. You and have to be able to. In a situation like this, you just sort of want to not tell them that they're about to die, I guess? No, well, you have to be it, a voice of rationality. I mean, that's exactly what this part of the call is about. Listen, listen, the call is in, I'm documented, I'm gonna let those, hold on one second please. I'm gonna die, aren't I? No, 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 say I'm gonna die. Ma'am, ma'am, say your prayers. And we're not, we're gonna, we're gonna think positive because you gotta help each other get off the floor. Now, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. You're doing a good job, ma'am, you're doing a good job. It's so hot, I'm burning up. Like, that's, that is a person doing their fucking job. Yeah. And doing it well. Yes. Like the, the, the operators, I don't think gets, I don't think they get credit for giving people comfort. And I don't think moments. they got enough credit as far as the PTSD that the event caused. I mean, you're literally listening to the last breaths of a human being's life that you have no idea who they are. I mean, at some point, if, if I was that woman on that phone call, I would like to know who I was just speaking to. Yeah. Oh, I, I bet that that closure. is. I mean, it's so traumatic. It's very traumatic. Yeah, they uh, found out her name was Melissa. So since there was no water lines for these firefighters to use up there, their primary primary job became to bust out doors because the impact of the jet hitting, both of the jets hitting was so powerful, the towers shifted enough to jam most of the doors in their frames, making it impossible hmm. to open them up without the aid of an axe. And that's why 
a lot of people, especially near the areas of, of uh, impact below uh, the you know below the impact, all the doors were jammed. They were stuck in their offices. They could not get out. Right. There were a few people who were able to find little pieces of drywall if that someone had punch through that they could punch through. But there was one group of uh, guys that were stuck in an elevator. They dug through drywall and busted out a wall. Uh, and came out in the bathroom uh, because that's that was just the that, but that was rare. Most of these people were stuck, and that's why so many firefighters died because mm. that's what they were doing. Well, they yeah, were, they were they trying were, to make the way because they didn't. Because yeah. again, we had all um, been under the idea that these towers were supposed to be able to stand even if they got hit by a fucking plane. Did we hear that sound bite well, over and over in again? 19, what, 1901, and no plane existed. I mean, they no, they, they were said, built in 1972. 1972, no plane existed. No, then. we were we were just. T- I'm just saying that's that's why they, they went in with that belief system that these they, they're not going to fall. Well, it's the, just a fire. Well, no, the Port Authority guys, the uh, the engineers. Um, these, these two guys, uh, let's see here, Frank Martini and Pablo Lopez, uh, who ended up saving about 50 people. That was their primary concern. They, they thought, like, we have to go check on the structural integrity of this building. They weren't confident at all. I know, but firefighters don't know because they're, yeah. used to fi- they're using just office fires. They consider this like a fire, right? Yes, a plane hit it, but then, you know, also, you look at this big, huge building, and you think, oh, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, and so they're up there just being like, we gotta get through this until we can get the lines up here to, to start, because the helicopters were already starting their way up to try mm-hmm. to blast a fire water. Like, yeah. it, you hit it with hoses from the side, and it's you know, that's one of those things. You trust a building. Yeah. You trust a building to stand. You know, like you think that this is going to, this is the worst it can get. Yeah. One group of survivors, this, this to me is amazing. One group of survivors, they busted through these doors that had actually been blocked from the smoke because some of the doors were actually uh, airtight enough where smoke wasn't coming through the doors. They busted open the door. There's an inferno behind them. There, there's just smoke. They're all covered in soot. And they found a secretary at her desk on the phone with her boss going over his appointments for the next week. God damn. Right. Like, just not. And, and, the, and they come in, and she's like, uh, there's something happening. There's something going on. I, I need to go. I need to go. And he's yelling at her. Like, just yelling, like, no, no, I didn't. She's like, I no. gotta see Brian next week. <laughs> I'm gonna get croissants with Brian. Yeah. And, but that's also like, it, it's, it's two separate. I mean, it, it's like this denial. Right. Uh, and right, you right, also right. see that people on the ground, uh, you see footage. Like, I remember this, this image really sticks out in my head. A woman on, the, because there's paper everywhere. Like there's that they get everyone keeps talking about like it was like um, ticker tape parade because that's what they said that was the first time they saw it. when the paper first happened they were so a guy in an office talking about paper blowing past and he's just like oh some kind of parade happened and yeah. I wonder what what, what what you know what we're celebrating yeah they're making jokes like oh Yankees win a World Series again it's just that's what people thought and there's right. a woman on the street uh, that is just picking up paper off of the ground and calmly shuffling it. And just uh, just broken, try, just, well, broken. You know, just, uh, just not in disbelief. It's either doing something, fight or flight, or just try to stay busy. You know, I like always literally as, as distract as, your mind in any way possible. Yeah. Oh yeah, Where when the you, terrorism comes, I immediately snap into secretary mode. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, literally, there is no fight. Yeah. What, are you, what are you fighting against? There's no fight. Yeah. So 22 minutes after the Pentagon, the South Tower, the second one to be hit, falls first. And in both video and picture, 
you can see it, it's amazing to to watch this. It's crazy. You can see the corner of this building. You can see it slowly buckle in. And you see at the point where it buckles, the top of the tower falls over to the side and then comes down like that. Like it is the, it is the most action movie. Unreal. It's scary. It's the right. most unreal thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, honestly, when I watched the Avengers movie, every one of those Marvel films, they trash Manhattan. Yeah. And it does make me think like... As you live, when you live in New York, you start to realize that those aren't buildings; those are like there's a bunch of people in there. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know if the Avengers are very good. <laughs> yeah, I, gotta, I, I think I, many- I just kind of don't even want them in the city anymore. They just try. Like, How many thousands has the Hulk murdered? Oh, just so many. And it's I, like I know you killed like one really bad guy, yeah. but then you killed so many good people. Yeah. I, just, I just, but I do that regularly walking down the street when I'm in Manhattan, and I look up, and like they'll be because of seeing this footage over and over again. I can just see a building blow out. Yeah. It was unimaginable. Again, though, keep in mind, unimaginable before this, what this would actually look like. Yeah. And I've been sitting in, and it's such a surreal experience. I've I've been sitting in this uh, office out, and we're out in Queens, uh, but you can see the Manhattan. I can walk out of the door right now, and I can see the entire Manhattan skyline. Yeah, you can see the Freedom Tower, the whole thing. Yeah, I can can see absolutely everything. And after a scenario, especially watching 102 uh, and listening to it, how loud it is, um, and going out there, you are amazed at how quiet it is out there. And you just feel that same sort of feeling that they probably felt that day on that just beautiful morning. It's right. like it's just so quiet and so still, and it is eerie, and you have a laser-sharp focus. <laughs> like, you are aware of everything around you because you are in it. You're here. Like, you can look, and you can see that is where it happened, over there. Yep. I can go to. I was down there, uh, like, well, yeah, for the 9-11 Museum. You're in it. Like, you right. are actually in it. The 9-11 Museum is built in what they called the bathtub, uh, which is where there was the six floors below uh, the tower. Where Marcus, the I think was. you're just denying the fact that we got a brand new shiny tower that we're all supposed to look at instead. <laughs> it's actually very beautiful. It's, it's a, a nice beautiful tower. tower. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, especially, like it. yeah, it's, especially when you sit, uh, stand at the foot of it and, and look straight up. Like it, it is, it is a beautiful tower. Uh, so let's let's hear. Like speaking of speaking of which and being down there, uh, this is. Uh, Footage. This is a news footage from NBC4. Uh, this is a reporter talking to a woman on the street, and while he's talking to her, the first tower falls. Okay, two blocks away from where the whole thing happened, and this entire area has been cordoned off, and people that have been working in nearby buildings have been told to evacuate. That's what this mass exodus is to my left-hand side. To my right, we have two witnesses, and as we speak with you two, we're going to pan up and show a shot of what we see from this vantage point. First, Marna Ringel, and Marna, you work across the street. Tell me exactly what you saw on the street, and as you looked up, what you saw, because you said you saw the second one. Am I correct? No, I didn't see the second one. I actually was coming out of the building, and there was maybe about 30 or 40 people at the bottom of One World Financial covered in blood. I did not expect that at all. And I work for Lehman in one right here. And a gentleman that I work with was on the telephone. He said, what was that? I said, I, you know, he thought it was thunder. I looked over, screamed, it's a bomb because I saw a piece of the building flow down. And I think I scared my entire floor because I can scream pretty loud and it was pretty bad. Now, you mentioned that you saw people on the road outside of the building. Explain that scene. I, I saw um, there's maybe about 30 or 40 people uh, covered with bandages and blood. It looks like a lot of them were either on the floor of one of the exchanges. There's actually, oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! 
We're not sure exactly what happened, but it was another explosion on the far side of one of the buildings from where we're standing. The, ver the, the reverberation and another explosion on the right-hand side. Another building has gone. Another building has gone up on the right-hand side of the road. People are now running down the street. We're not sure if that was another explosion or if that was advanced debris. Joining me also is Jim Plant. Jim, you're also a witness of what happened. And well, people do take that, like, you know, he says explosion multiple times. Many of the conspiracy theories, people are just like, see, it's proof. Very rarely do people utter what actually happened the moment that it occurred. Well, it's like yeah. a dream Hindsight logic. Hindsight is 2020 for a reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we're there's other footage that does point towards that. We're going to look to, you know, again, with Building 7, we'll talk about in the next episode. There, there's stuff like that. But this is just the belief, again, that those the buildings just don't fall down. Well, and you saw it, uh, all of the news footage that I saw, uh, they're all looking at a wide shot, uh, or most of them are let this is the only one where there's someone on the ground and as it falls every other yeah. every other one is looking at a wide shot of the building and none of them even entertain the idea that the building fell right well i will watching 102 minutes on uh, nothing is quite as brutally upsetting as watching that wall of oh, yeah. debris come slamming down the street. I'm watching it uh, mm -hmm. on the edge of my seat. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm next to tears, just imagining just that because that's doomsday, right? That's exactly what how you. That's how exactly how you kind of picture it. It's just this fucking wall of chaos and can't stop. And anything. you know, it's strange because you see it and it feels like it's alive. Yeah, it is like a living entity yes. coming after you. There's a certain it's shot so bizarre. There's a certain shot of a woman that's in a building and she's got her camera uh, looking out onto the street, and you hear this noise coming, like just like this, and then it looks like a monster yeah. that just goes, and all the dust and debris falls in. Uh, and again, the the. Pure. Saddest, most intense, real found footage horror film that's ever happened. And, and the monster is—it's a smoke monster, almost from the, like the film or television show Lost. And it's legitimately a wall of cancer. Yeah. Oh is my what god. We're gonna find out later. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. sad. They said that it was so. Um, that there was a guy that told a story that said that he was act literally reaching into his mouth and pulling out piles like just Ugh. this gunk. Well, you watch the dude. There's like that. I mean, also, 102 minutes. You just see this police officer who's walking around. He's got I forgot. He's got some sort of helmet cam or something. He takes off the helmet, and you just see him, and it's just water shooting out of a wall, and he's just like scrambling yeah, at yeah, his yeah. face, mm -hmm. and he's just washing himself with like. And, and none of the other New Yorker knows you don't wash yourself with random water. No, no, no. <laughs> that you see in Manhattan. Usually, and, it's not water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he's just splashing it all over his right. face. It's fucking just. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. And, rem yep. and remember that the first tower to fall was the second one to be hit because it hit much lower right. than the first one. Uh, so over in the North Tower. And I want to say again, two blocks away, New York City blocks, I walk one block in 20 seconds. Yeah. So they are very, very close. These, are, very, not, these yeah. are not the Mississippi block. This no. is a New York City block. They're is very, very close. Especially yeah. in the financial district. Oh, yeah. So the North Tower, remember, there is still... 1,000, over 1,000 people trapped above the fire. That is impossible to escape. Now, do and you the, think that these people are still alive, or do you think smoke inhalation oh, is... Oh, no, I know there are people still alive, yeah. because there were f people stacked four to five high, hanging out of the windows. This is when the majority of falls begin. Uh, there's one person tells of a, a story. It's actually, this, this is actually uh, put up on the wall. The, the 9-11 Museum has a jumper room. Yeah. Uh, where it has a little, it has a, a plaque that says 
um, warning, extremely graphic content, and you walk into this little room, and it's just showing five pictures on a loop of the people falling, specifically the falling man photo. Which that caused, very beautiful picture. Uh, which causes well. such a huge controversy, and especially the controversy afterwards. Of when, like There was a, a paper in Pennsylvania that published uh, an actual picture, like published that picture gigantic on the back page, right, right, and right. it caused such an outrage. And I think, it, and this is what is a fascinating to me, and I, and I think really shows the disconnect that people had about this day, is the news media showed the towers falling over and mm, over and yeah. over again for weeks. You just saw him fall. You saw him fall five times a day. Well, and like we were talking about earlier, then it became, it did become used for more desensitizing, but we were talking, more propaganda. But what, I'm, but, but what I'm saying is that the, uh, but the images of the falling people were taboo. You couldn't, right. you would not, people just didn't want to pretend that they didn't exist because it's, it's like Joseph Stalin said, that famous quote, one day, or, a million deaths is a statistic. One death is a tragedy. Now, right, the, right, the right, other right. thing, too, is, again, I mean, this is just to put this out there, conspiracy thought, too, is that I think it is important that the, all of this footage exists, yeah. right? I think we're supposed to be able to see this stuff and know that it happened, know that it's real, uh, watch the, see the falling people. That's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's a, it's, a, it's a real event. You watch it. But then you're going to also see, again, how that imagery is then twisted, mm-hmm. uh, and they use it. It's about uh, optics. They use them to, to to set up something for themselves to get to get something out of it, and the, the, those people. The reason why they're afraid of people. It's the same thing with go, what happened when we were fighting in Afghanistan and in Iraq. What would they do is they don't want to show pictures of the fucking caskets that our soldiers are in yeah. because that would make it far too fucking real. Yeah, or any of the combat footage like they did in Vietnam, where they showed actual dying soldiers on the news. Every night. They love keeping in a hologram because the pictures of those fa- towers falling, if you just show them on loop without well, fucking zooming in on them, does look like a goddamn action movie. Mm-hmm. And it makes you fucking pumped to go to a, go do something about it. Oh, yeah. And it's like when you watch the people just falling, you start putting your dad in there, you start putting your brothers in there, your cousin, you start putting those people's faces on those people. And then, you know... Our government loves our hologram fucking reality. Yeah. Like, they, they want to keep it alive. I mean, it's anger versus sorrow. You watch the towers fall, you feel anger. You see the people fall, and you feel sorrow. Uh, two very different emotions that are used for two very different things. Sorrow yes. is can be a very, I guess, personal emotion, a very private emotion. But anger is shared. And it's that great, is, and that it's is, useful. Yeah, it's well, so both useful. useful for their own reasons. Yeah, yeah exactly. So they, you're looking up at the the first tower has fallen. People are holding on to each other across the dividers to balance themselves. They're leaning out of windows. They are a hundred floors up. Imagine looking down. They are a hundred floors up. They are looking down. There is. They are in a literal chimney. The smoke is just has enveloped the entire structure, and they are looking down from a hundred floors up. You saw one group of five. They're stacked on each other. One group of five either all decided to go together or just one person slipped and pulled all the rest of them down. Uh, people saw like, and and you kind of think watching this footage, like how many people jump? Like, I think if you ask most people, like, okay, how many people do you think jump from the top of the World Trade Center? A lot of people would probably say like, I don't know, 10, 20. It was over 200 yeah. that jumped. We will never know exactly how many. Because the right. jump, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too grisly with that, but, you know, I'd rather jump, fly for a second, instead of being cooked like a goddamn turkey in my office 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I hated to be every day. Yeah. Tough to say. Tough yeah. to say. Um, so these buildings, they're filled with black smoke that most of the office workers, they had no idea what to do, where to go. These buildings were an acre in area. They were 70% the size of a football field. This next tidbit's really interesting. Yeah, the only dude who was, the only people that were prepared were the employees of Morgan Stanley because their director of security, this guy named Rick Rascorla, saw, he was known as the man who saw it coming. <laughs> And, and who must is, have been a pain in the ass he was up a, until yeah. the day. Huge pain in the ass because this guy, he was convinced, because he was convinced like he knew, okay, the, the first building. And he had this buddy that was also kind of a security director. And he asked him, he's like, okay, so what do you think? They're going to do it again? The guy's like, absolutely. Of course they're going to do, do it, it again. Absolutely. He's just sitting there and he's just like, like absolutely. What a big fucking it. stinking talking. You don't think they're yeah. going to come for us? You don't think they don't want to take a fucking freedom? Yeah. And they're like, all right, calm down, fucking yeah, yeah, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, how are they going to do it? They're like, oh, they're going to come. He's gonna, they're going to come by plane. So he forced Morgan Stanley employees for years to do fire drills. He would time employees and bitch them out if they were so too funny. slow. Uh, and about Columbine, this is what he said about Columbine. The police were sitting outside while kids are inside getting killed, they should have put themselves between the perpetrators and the victims. That was abject cowardice. If we were younger, we could have flown to Colorado, gone in that building, and then in that shit before the law did. Yeah. This is how confident right. this guy was in his ability. He's like, oh, fuck, man. If I was 20 years younger, I would have got on a plane. I would have killed them kids. I would have ki- <laughs> killed them. Tell me some torps, some committee, they're going to yeah, yeah. shoot all the jocks. them motherfuckers. And this is how successful he was. And this, without this man... The body count would have been so much higher. He successfully evacuated 2,687 Morgan Stanley employees from the World Trade Center complex. And the last time they saw him, he was on the 10th floor of the South Tower heading up. So the guy's a pain in the ass in your office? (laughs) That guy who's like always talking about regulations and shit like that? Sometimes he could save your life. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So as New York is unfolding... Passengers on Flight 93, they're on their way to the Capitol. Flight 93, it's on its way to the Capitol building in D.C. It's 40 minutes behind the other three. And they're getting word on the ground that the other two planes had already crashed into the World Trade Center. And, you know, as as the story goes, they fought back. uh, And I think, I'm pretty sure that although Dick Cheney... He definitely authorized the shooting down of Flight 93, uh, but the black box recording, which is public knowledge, you can hear uh, from the cockpit, it points more towards the terrorists crashing the plane rather than letting the passengers take control. Because you hear there's a you know you hear this fight behind the door, and you hear the uh, the guy uh, uh, Ziad uh, Jarrah, he's saying like, "Hold the door, hold the door, hold the door," and they're about to get through. And he just starts screaming, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And he screams it seven times on the way to the ground. And it crashes in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, whether it was shot down or not, 20 minutes away from D.C. Well, if it was shot down, I would have no problem with the government doing it. Yeah. I mean, they oh, have absolutely to. not. You have absolutely to do it. It's not. a missile and at this point. It's and fucked it's, up. It's and if they, yeah, it's and awful. if they shot it down, you also got to kind of think, it's like if they did shoot it down, and that time after, like, we needed something. Like, just some sort of, I don't know, some sort of, like, fighting back type oh, of thing. Oh, yeah, of course. It's like, it it's just like, sucks that we had to kill how many innocent people in order to do it. It's that fucked up, hor- it's that horrible rock and hard place scenario yeah. where it's like, they can't let them hit the Capitol building. 
Yeah. You know, like that's it's fu- it's not because the president no, is more right. fucking precious than anybody else, but because of the symbolism. Yeah. You look at the symbolism of what the World Trade Center falling down does, both psychically and politically. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, forces you into a 15 year uh, forever war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why presidents are always hated because literally it's impossible to make a um a good decision. You just yeah. have to choose the the the, the lesser, lesser of two, two evils. evils. Yeah, lesser of two evils. So a little after, a little less than thirty minutes after the South Tower collapses, the North Tower goes down as well. And so now you've got a debris cloud that is two entire buildings. And mm. one witness on the ground he described the cloud as he said, "quote almost solid." Mm. There was not even sound. Like they say, like after it fell, that there wasn't even sound traveling uh, through this field. Uh, and one witness, and this is just terrifying, one witness said the only thing he could see was the flickering light of burning paper. Jesus Christ. That was crazy. It. This is, uh, and this here is uh, footage from um, a man on the street right after it happened. <laughs> It collapsed. The top floors collapsed down. I saw it brought blow and then ran like hell. Thank God. I'm 69, but I can still run. <laughs> There's got to be fireman trapped back there, though. Mm. By the way, that is just how badass a New Yorker is. <laughs> like, he's almost laughing. Yeah, like, like, to the point, I'm 60. I can't believe I can still like, do this. Yeah, it's like, I can't believe 69. Well, yeah, one uh, thing in 102 minutes showed was this fucking immensely fat man. He's yeah. like 350 pounds <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, in his suit, and he's like, uh, yeah. and he comes back, and he cuts the reporting. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I gotta go. I got my friend Nikki. My friend Nikki's walking yeah. down there. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I gotta see if my friend's okay. Yeah. And, like, and he's just like, and he's just yeah. dabbing it. But uh, the, the thing... Because, you know, I'm, I'm an audio guy. The, the thing that has haunted me the most is, like, I don't know if, if uh, y'all heard that, the, the sound in the background, that kind of siren sound. What that is, it's called a pass um, alarm. And what that is, that if a uh, firefighter is <clears throat> motionless for more than 30 seconds, um, that goes off. Oh, yeah. And, so when you and, listen, when you watch 102 minutes, you hear this sound over and over again. And each yeah. one of those noises is a dead firefighter. Yeah, this is a, actually this is what it this is a clear um, a clear uh, clip. I haven't been able to be in silence for the last week because if it's silent, I hear it. It almost sounds like when you go out to the wilderness and you just hear the you know the bugs, the crickets. Yeah, yeah the crickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that is almost what it sounds like. But yeah, that that noise. I remember seeing a video of that in like maybe a month after, like it was on set back when you had to download videos to watch them. Uh, it's I remember seeing that, and that noise has haunted me for fourteen years. Like, right, it, it is. Um, it's horrific, and I never want to hear it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I never do. And so ERs, after after the second tower fell, ERs all across New York, they're all just prepared for an onslaught of casualties, and it never comes. Only 18 people were pulled from the wreckage, and the last one they found at 1030 that night, one firefighter, he said those who got out got out. Those who didn't died. God. Right. 
there was no in between. Like you either had minor injuries that could be treated on the street. Right. Um, I mean, they said there were about ten thousand injuries that day, but mm. no major ones really. A few. It's almost but, amazing there wasn't more. But it was yeah. all. Um, well, it was because a, well, they got they got people out. First of all, they got people out of Lower Manhattan. So when the towers fell, like they just. They were out. People yeah. were out of there. We're good at that shit. Yeah, we're good at that. And you know what? Also, in New York, what I like about us too is that we can fall. Like it's true, we can really form into a sort of a mob mentality. Yeah, and we know how to move as a unit. Yeah. Because that's what the subway system is. That's how. That's why when you're a pain in the ass in the subway, when you're not from New York and you don't right, know how, right, what right, you're right. doing, and you're just like a fucking monkey wrench in, in the whole system, <laughs> right, and right, you're like right, standing right. in the middle of it, it's like that's why people get so fucking mad at you because right. New York is about cooperation and coexisting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's about moving. We all you got to move at speed. You got to know the rules, and you mm-hmm. got to look out for other people, and you got to. It's about a web. And New yeah. York doesn't get nearly enough credit when we talk about coexisting. We're not talking about. White Wisconsin, everyone's Presbyterian, maybe even a Catholic every now yeah. and again. <laughs> it is different religions, different races, different heights, different, different languages, different languages. Everybody living in is apartment buildings, right next to each other. Yeah, living in apartment buildings that were not meant to ever be apartment buildings. You can hear everything and everybody does, and we all collectively agree to ignore each other. Right, when we're fucking. Exa- exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is a, a silent uh, agreement between everyone. It's like as long as it's uh, like. It's like you get an hour. If you can hear your neighbors argue, they can hear you fuck. <laughs> That's Oh, absolutely. So the rubble of the World Trade Center towers, it's stacked seven stories high from ground level. And one of the things that I always, uh, that you always wonder, it's like, where did all that go? Why is it not higher? It's because there were six stories below them that uh, all that these collapsed down into. Uh, and that is now where the 9-11 Museum is. It, it's, it's, uh, the whole 9-11 Museum is underground, hmm. and it is amazing to see that. So forensic scientists, they work for months. There's this great book that I read called Teasing Secrets from the Dead about a forensic scientist who worked on Waco and 9-11. She was the one that identified David Koresh. Uh, but she talked about how these uh, forensics people would work in 12-hour shifts for months, months and months in these tents on around ground zero. Trying to get people closure. Trying to get people closure. Right. Identifying like they've like, okay, I've got a leg. Does anyone else have a le- like does anyone else have a leg? It's Impossible. like you, I mean they were I mean, and I think this is impressive. Um, they were able to identify 60% of the victims. And most of these people, I mean, and you look at, uh, in Mm. the museum, they had this thing called a composite, which is about two feet tall, maybe 10 feet around. It is a cut from the wreckage. Uh, And by the way, the museum is just full of wreckage. It's just full of steel, of the beams. And this composite, as you see, and it's about six floors that are all compressed into something that's about three feet tall. Right. And, and this is also something that made 9-11 really live on very, very long in a tangible sense to New York because when they were building the Freedom Tower, the reason it took so long was because they would find a bone. Yeah. They, would, they would stop all construction, the, try to find the you know DNA with the bone. Yeah. So it really was really it was a start and stop process. The last body identified was in 2013, just two years ago. Right. A firefighter. It's uh, it's it's very real. That's what my yeah. cousin did. My cousin was a part of the teams. He was a, the Secret Service. They went to, because they brought a lot of the rubble to the dump. They brought it to Staten Island. Yeah, fresh kills. Yeah, and they uh, sifted through it looking for body parts. And we mm. we have friends that were first responders, uh, and it's. 
you know, uh, it was very real and very intense. Yeah. yeah. The final. And then we didn't even bring up ever all the people that like fake their death during 9 11. Well, that shit's really interesting yeah, too, yeah, which the, we got to go into at some point. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that later. Yeah, the yeah. people that fake their death and the we'll, people and the, the woman, oh. the woman who wasn't there that pretended like she was in the very tower. Very interesting. Everyone's trying to benefit off of these things. And we'll also have to talk about some gangs up in Harlem settled all their beefs. It was that, in Washington Heights. Washington yeah. Heights. Yeah, yeah, they settled a lot of beefs. The, the that cops night. were a little bit busy. Yeah, yep. the cops. Um, were a little so, bit busy, and the gangs took advantage of yes, that, and did. it is fascinating. So the the final toll, um, 2,753 civilians, 343 firefighters, 23 NYPD officers, 37 Port Authority officers, 10,000 treated for injuries. That's New York City alone. Pentagon, 125 military personnel and civilians, 24 people aboard the uh, airliner. And in Pennsylvania was uh, 45 passengers. And the last building to fall on September 11th would come at 5.20 p.m. that day. Building 7, which we will discuss at length in our next episode. The cornerstone of... Of all conspiracy thoughts. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, and for good fucking reason <laughs> very as well. Yes, yes. Uh, there is, because, you know, again, there is a, it's real. And then there's, there are mysteries at the center of this thing. Of course, there's going to be. Course. That are very fishy. But yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll, you know. We'll get into uh, all the conspiracy theories. The and, victims and the heroes. And we're, yeah. Unbelievable. into the uh, families of the victims and the families of the heroes. You know, thank you. And, you know, I have, I've heard some people, and I know people being like, they worked in the financial business. You referenced the story of the secretary. The vast majority of people, they were not the ones that caused the economic collapse. Yeah. They are lit- they're they're janitors, they're secretaries, yeah. their husbands, their wives. They are just trying to work yeah. and retire. And there is, I mean, they, they talk about this, this one guy here, family's talking about this guy, and they're like, he wanted to be a history teacher. Like right. he took a job at as a stockbroker because he had all of a sudden he had a family. It's you a know, job. You gotta make a, money. A, yeah, you gotta make money. Like he he like wanted to put his you know kids through school. Yeah. Uh, and it's like he was a history buff. And what temp, he re- how many temps oh. died on nine eleven? Oh my god, so damn! It's crazy. Oh, just like just thinking about that. Like how many just do how many temps do we know? How many people do we know that do? Temp work. Temps? No, they're actors. <laughs> actors, Marcus. Please. Can you imagine yeah. Nick Turner on the top floors of the of 9/11? <laughs> yeah. oh and we didn't even talk about Windows on the World, uh, which they it, they lost a stat. It was a restaurant at the top of the Trade Center. They lost seventy five um, seventy five people, and they got calls from in there, and it just sounds. Horrifying. So we're leading up to the anniversary of, you know, of course, and we're going to be doing episodes about 9-11 up until the week of 9-11 uh, to kind of talk about it. This is our tackling of the subject. Right. Um, next week's going to be a little bit kookier, probably. Um, yeah. But also, to me, just as serious, because I believe that there are things tied to that they used the events on 9-11 for very specific purposes. Everyone, oh, yes. yeah. Um, I like think it's important. There are conspiracies, and there are <laughs> there are definitely conspiracies. I wouldn't say it's an inside job, but I'd say that they definitely didn't mind that it happened. Yes. Um, Looking at you, Mr. Cheney. But I would say, uh, I think about this, and I think about what happened yesterday with the reporter and the cameraman, is that uh, a thing that I've been kind of thinking about since all that kind of happened, I got kind of punched in the gut yesterday watching that footage and watching the, all the stuff about 9-11, has, has really kind of torn up my life a little bit, and uh, I think it's really important that when things aren't negative and when things are um, intense like this, uh, I think it's very important to put love and productivity and positivity into the world. I do believe that those kind of vibes are the type of thing that help cure 
bad shit. Is this you trying to tell people to watch your pretty faces going pretty to hell? Pretty faces going to hell. What's happening Twi- here? Just laugh a little bit. Yeah. Just relax just and laugh. 12 yeah. 15, yes. an adult swim. But yes, we're definitely going <laughs> to no. get into the foreign Sundays. policy ramifications and just uh, yeah, it's, so, it's so big. But I agree with Henry. Hug somebody that you hate today. Make sure, yeah, hug somebody. <laughs> you know, everyone's just like, tell someone that you love them. If you hate somebody, just like be like, hey, 9-11. Make love, love to yeah. somebody that you hate. Well, I mean, make sure it's consensual, uh, you know, yes. in that well, that's making That's making love. Uh, I also, I want to thank uh, Sammy Coughlin and Megan Fierro Root for their help on research this week. Uh, they really help. I mean, this is such a gigantic subject both this and next week is god in next week's even bigger uh and uh also the third week oh boy this shit's gonna get real weird on that one yeah uh, well thank everyone thank you guys so much for listening to the show and supporting the other shows here on ccr top at roundtable page seven sex and other human activities you know it's yeah. just really it means a lot yeah and uh follow lp on the left.tumblr.com that we just created yesterday wow. on ed gein's birthday so heil gein and happy birthday happy Gein. birthday yeah, gein. Yeah. and put some titties up on that because tumblr's got titties right you tumblr's got allowed? so many tits someone was telling me yesterday about a woman uh, fucking diddling herself with a handgun. Well, oh, all right, true. very interesting. <laughs> that is great. She you had can great tits, though. From what, oh, I, no, from what, I, from what I've been told, it's Wonder. good tits. Equalizing. Uh, and yeah. also follow us uh, on Twitter at LP on the left, uh, at Ben Kissel, at Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks. That's right. And jo- go join the Facebook group and uh, go uh, buy uh, t shirts at cavecomedyradio.com slash merch. Hail Satan. Positive action beats the act of prayer. All right. Hail yourselves, everyone. And and also, thanks, everyone, for listening to the end of our longest episode ever. Hail me. You know? Yeah, it's it's long. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, it's got a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Magustalations. Yeah, magustalations. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay.